Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. Yep, you heard that right. You're listening to The Door Report. And we've got Clark Lee coming up on today's pod, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. The wait is now over, and all you have to do now is sit back, relax, and listen to our best podcast yet. We dive into what coaching at Vanderbilt means to Coach Lee, bringing back guys like Norval McKenzie and Earl Bennett, the expectations for Team One heading into fall camp, and Coach Lee gives you a message to Commodore Nation as we are one month away from kicking off against ETSU on September 4th. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 97. It is August 4th, 2021. We are presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. And Will, this is a huge moment for this podcast. This is a monumental guest. We've been hyping him up. We've been building up momentum for this guest. And I guess it's time to reveal it, right? Yeah. I'm going to let you uh, do the honors. I'll just build up the hype a little bit and talk about, we had uh, quite a few good guesses on Twitter. I think my favorites were tied <laughs> between Jay Cutler and probably Elvis as the other one. It's a you know, <laughs> little bit of a funny joke there, but Jay Cutler would have been incredible. I think we were actually talking about that right when we started doing the podcast together as a dream, maybe yeah, one we, day. We still have a uh, family. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's a little difficult to contact, but yeah, yeah Billy, this bit. is uh, definitely the biggest um podcast guests that we've had especially leading up to this time of the year so billy here, here it is drum roll please yeah. we have coming up the vanderbilt head football coach clark lee on the door report and and the wait is over you can all sit back relax and wait about 15 20 minutes for segment one to be over and you guys can head over to the interview <laughs> portion we got coach lee coming up and man it was it was an absolute treat to to speak with him for for about 12 minutes, even though it was that, you know, that little time, it was awesome to be able to, you know, catch up with him and, and, uh, you know, be able to, to actually dive into his brain a little bit uh, for the first time on the pot. So uh, Clark Lee coming up feels weird to say that, but coach Lee is coming up <laughs> here on the pod, but well, we do have a few topics to sort of dive into a little bit. The New York Mets are they are just, I mean, they continue to be the abysmal organization they are. They have failed to reach a deal with Kumar Rocker. And, I mean, everybody was kind of sitting there shocked, I think. I mean, we all thought by Sunday at 5 o'clock they would reach a deal. But, no, uh, the answer is no to that. And Rocker's uh, likely going to be playing independent baseball next year. We'll have to see what he does. So we'll talk about that, Will. But also David Macias, I think a lot. this kind of was brushed under 
under the rug a little bit, but David Macias left Vanderbilt's first base coach, and in comes Tyler Shoemaker, an assistant at Campbell uh, University, so we will touch on that a little bit. And will the Texas State Senator, how about this guy? He came out and just absolutely ripped Vanderbilt to shreds, and he said, uh, well, well, we'll reveal what he said a little bit later, but um, we're going to have to rip into him a little bit. Fall camp starts Friday. I can't believe it. We will dive into that with Coach Lee, but we'll also talk about some of the expectations for Team 1 and maybe some of the position battles that uh, could go on throughout fall camp and also Clark Lee coming up later. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. All right, Will, we start with the New York Mets and Kumar Rocker. It's uh, it's very sad. This is a sad deal. But the greatest pitcher in college baseball history, I think you could argue, you know, that one of the better pitchers in Vanderbilt history. And I guess when I say that, the, one of the most famous pitchers, just name recognition-wise. You read that name, you hear Kumar Rocker, you think of college baseball, and you think of Vanderbilt baseball. Well, he's not going to be with the Mets. Uh, it's, this is just – this is an absolute joke. I think we can agree on this, how this happened. And because of this, the Mets are now going to gain a compensatory pick in next year's draft at number 11 overall, which is beyond – I mean, unfathomable how that's fair. And they'll continue to draw criticism from around the league. Every, I don't think anyone is in favor of this. Anyone, no one's siding with the Mets. I've seen maybe a couple people say, you know, talk about Rocker not uh, taking the MRI and, and, and things of that nature. But, Will, this is just, I mean, I don't think anyone expected this. And the way college baseball players are you know, are forced to, to, to work out these deals as young as some of the, some of these guys are. And, you know, the, the many different options they have, especially if you're drafted in the first round, I think it's ridiculous. I think they need to simplify the whole thing, but if you're the New York Mets, shame on you, shame on you, the organization. I mean, how do you let the number, yes, it's the number 10 overall, overall pick rocker fell a little bit, but how does this happen? I mean, how does one doctor Kumar rockers camp think this guy's fine you know, he's good to go. He should be able to play uh, with you guys here in a few years. And the Mets doctor thinks, uh, no, this guy is, he's, we don't want him. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't understand that. This is one of the most bizarre contract situations that we've seen in a long time with, and you would not think that this would be a very complicated situation. These players have a little bit of wiggle room with their slot value, but the picks do have slot value. And he fell to the Mets at, number 10, number 11. Um, and wow, so far to number 10. Yes, yeah, so far. It fell so far down. But you kind of wonder if other teams, and, and there's two sides to this, you kind of wonder if other teams had heard this rumor about Rocker having mm -hmm. some sort of um, injury in his elbow or, or whatever it was, strains, or, or I don't really know whatever. what. We haven't heard anything. It's just due to medical concerns. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's literally well, my, not something my... like he's going to have to have arthroscopic surgery or something yeah. on I mean, that. It, it's it, bizarre. It's just so ridiculous because we didn't hear anything about this, like you said, Will, throughout the entirety of the season. I mean, we, we, we yes, Rocker was, Rocker was going, you know, his velocity was going down a little bit and, and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't hear anything about this. And 
I can't I, – I, I find it hard to believe that Tim Corbin would hide this from anyone. I mean, and they were putting up they they were putting up billboards in New York yeah, before. And you don't think the, they reviewed any of his medical history? Were aware of the velocity going down with the marketing team of the Mets? I mean, that, that's yeah. their mistake, I guess. And it's, you it's don't real. you don't you don't really see anything with his agent Scott Boris Rucker, And this quote is actually uh, written in an article yeah. on thedoorport.com by Brian right. Carlson. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't. Um, Kumar Rocker is healthy according to independent medical review by multiple prominent baseball orthopedic surgeons. Immediately, immediately, wow, struggled there. Upon conclusion <laughs> of his collegiate baseball season, he had an MRI on both of his shoulders and his elbows. Mm, when compared with his 2018 MRIs, the medical experts found no significant change. Kumar requires no medical attention and will continue to pitch in the regular course as he prepares to begin his professional career. Hey, that right there, that, that's all you need. I think the best, the, the Mets are really taking a risk here. There's another chip on Rocker's shoulder. I mean, that, that's, yeah. Rocker doesn't need another even chip. If you didn't <laughs> like, even if you didn't like him as a pitcher, you're losing, yeah, great, you get a compensatory pick, but you're losing an entire year of development, and baseball is a development sport. You have to work exactly. your way up through the farm exactly. system. So it, it's just a bizarre a situation, joke. and Mets going to met. I think is yeah, the, the only Mets, thing. Only thing I Mets, can really. The Mets are going to met, and and uh, you know that's all. That's our conclusion. But will honestly, when you really look deep deeper at it, was there a deeper issue that we didn't know about potentially? I mean, maybe Rocker was. You know, who knows? You know, we may never know the deeper side of this. But I think bottom line, the Mets screwed up. I mean, the Mets the Mets made a mistake, and they're going to regret this. I think for a long time. And I'd love to get their doctor on just to pick his brain um, and and. Uh, figure out what he was thinking but man what a what a sad situation I feel terrible for Rocker and his family and hopefully he's able to bounce back from this I, I expect nothing less from him he's got another chip on his shoulder and uh, I, I'd be scared if I was some major league hitters here in the next couple of years he's going to be coming hard wasn't um, and, and I do have I do have an example here wasn't it or maybe I'm forgetting Billy wasn't it Walker Bueller that had to have Tommy John surgery when I he was selected, so, yeah. didn't he yeah. turn out? You know, I haven't he heard much from him. Did he turn right. out? I mean, he, he turned out okay, to be an okay yeah. pitcher. Yeah, okay. I think he had like ten so, strikeouts the other night, so okay. he's not bad. That, yeah, yeah, but that's I mean, what it I thought. doesn't doesn't ring a bell though. It's not like he went to Vandy or anything. Yep. So, um, no similarities yeah, there whatsoever. No, no, it, you, mm. you can't rebound from from a small elbow injury whatsoever. Mm. So Mets, I mean, not in twenty twenty one. Nope, nope, you can't. So for the Mets, shame on you. Shame on everyone involved except for Kumar Rocker and his camp because that's just a joke uh and we'll continue to monitor it I mean who knows where he'll play uh where he'll be here in the next uh year or two but we will keep you all updated well there was another uh, quick baseball notes uh I know this is not extremely noteworthy but David Macias the first base coach for the past couple of years uh left for uh another adventure and they brought in Tyler Shoemaker he was an assistant at Campbell University and if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, Will, but Campbell played in the Mississippi State Regional in Starkville, and they actually fought. They, they pushed Mississippi State to the brink. And um, so, yeah, they're a formidable team, and Shoemaker is, is known throughout college baseball as a great assistant. So, again, we're not going to go too deep into that, but Tyler Shoemaker is the replacement placement for David Macias. Well, rolling on here, this, this came to mind. Another, uh, you know, I, I know you have your soapboxes, but – uh, it's time for me to dive in a little bit deeper again. And the Texas state senator is is uh, on the chopping block here. This guy is an idiot. 
I mean, this guy had one of the worst quotes, I think, in the history of college athletics. Um, and he's a senator. It's not like this guy's associated with athletics in any way. I mean, this was the most unnecessary shot. He said, and granted, Texas is not in the SEC yet. Texas people, Texas 2025, fans. 2025, they are not in it yet. I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be sooner, but this is what he said. This is a tweet from Max Olson. Drew Springer, Texas State Senator, said, in quote, if it was Vanderbilt leaving the SEC, if they left, nobody in the SEC would really care. Guys, I mean, there's no need for that today. That's what Max Olson said. But, well, this is – I love – I just love when people do this because they, there's no context. There's no – there's no, you know, there's no understanding or reasoning behind this. They're just, yeah, let's throw the little guy out and say, oh, that'll make the conference a lot better. Uh, no, take a look at the GPA rankings. I don't think the SEC would hold up very well without Vanderbilt. I don't even know it, if they would exist anymore. Like, this, I, I mean, that's just that's the argument that I think so many people look at. And they're like, but Will, I also think a lot of it is people are pissed off at how good they are at baseball. <laughs> like that, that's also the bottom of it because with Vanderbilt baseball, I mean, that's that's bringing in enough money to equal out and compare even more to some schools in the sec i mean it's just a dumb argument and for for this guy drew springer i I can't wait for texas to come in and just get dominated by the by the big dogs in the sec and realize hey maybe we should have stayed in the big 12 you know maybe this just wasn't the best decision here's the thing with the entire throw vanderbilt out of the sec argument the entire thing is based on Vanderbilt football because everything else has been a pretty good to incredibly great program for the last, what, 30, 40 years. Couple I mean, I'm not saying championships yeah. in baseball. Not bad. I'm even saying baseball, basketball just won a conference championship in 2012 before the last three or four years has been a perennial right. NCAA tournament team making multiple sweet 16s mm-hmm. outside of football and football hasn't even been horrendous. In the last no. decade, they've had they, they have had equal records with schools like Tennessee. So, and yes, the fan base is smaller because it's a private school. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fans of the SEC that just they don't understand that. I don't think they're I don't think they're, I don't I don't think they're SC, a lot of SEC fans' brains can can quantify that. And it's hard like, for them to do it. Right, and it's I mean it's hard for a lot of people. Like the the SEC, there's not a lot of smart people. I mean, like I said, Billy's fired up now. (laughs) Right, like I said, though, I mean, Vanderbilt. If if they if they were not in the SEC, think about it. No, no money for Vanderbilt baseball, and who knows how much money they're bringing into the SEC with with their marketing department and everything going on there. Tim Corbin's the highest paid college baseball coach in the country. You all know that. And think about the academic side of things. I mean, if Vanderbilt was in the SEC. The GPA you have to have as a conference. Well, am I wrong? You have to have a minimum GPA. Is that right? You yes. can't just be absolutely abysmal in that department. I don't know any other school that compares. And I'm not saying academics is more important than athletics, but when you look at the landscape of college athletics, more and more kids are looking at schools with high academic degrees. And so that I mean, that that's what it comes down to for me. Here's the thing: we are talking right now. Yes college football and this is big money and that's what we are talking about that's why the nil that is everything if you want to come down and say if his argument is we are going to create a conference that will bring in the most possible money no vanderbilt should not be in that conference 
<laughs> because they are not one of the biggest or wealthiest academic or prestigious yeah. acad or not academic of athletic programs in the country. Right, right. But that is not what college sports, that's not what makes it special. When right. Vanderbilt goes on a run and upsets Tennessee at the end of the season in football, or when the smaller school beats the big guy, that's why we right. love college athletics. Exactly. So when you start talking about this big money, that's not why people watch. That's, that's professional that athletics, athletics, and then you're right. that, and then you're competing with professional athletics. So I, this right. whole narrative it just shut down from the beginning because right. you can't and, and form everything in in that way. Another part of it is like if Vanderbilt has stood this long in the SEC, why would you think they're leaving? Like what what, what else would make them leave? I mean, they have been they are one of the first teams ever ever in this conference. I mean, founding they, member, one of the they, are a, they are a founding member of this conference. So Drew Springer, I, I mean, I would stop before before I think the SEC rescinds their invitation. Um, so it's going to be interesting though, Will, uh, to see how and like see how like how Texas and Oklahoma are welcomed in. I don't know if they're going to be welcomed in very nicely. And I do want to say, and if you're if anyone out there listening is a fan of the office, you'll get this reference. But it's kind of a good thing to point out either way. He's a state senator. So I just want state, to point that state out. Senator. He's a state yeah. senator. Okay, let's, let's stop. State, state senator. senator. Texas state senator. Okay. Right. And and also, he went to North <laughs> Texas. He didn't even go to Texas. That's so one of the directional a, Texases. Right, yeah. He went to North Texas. So big, big congrats to him. I'm sure it took a lot out of him to, to, to graduate from there. All right, well, let's wrap it up. We got fall camp starting Friday. Uh, but, I mean, I think more importantly, we've got Clark Lee coming up here on the door port. But, Let's run through a, a, a couple notes. Um, we all believe – I want to start at the quarterback position. Now, we've heard a lot of coach speak from Coach Lee about the quote-unquote battle going on between Ken Seals, Mike Wright, and Jeremy Musa. Uh, but we know who's going to be the starter against ETSU Week 1, Ken Seals. How much do you put into what Coach Lee is saying? Do you, do, I think – I think a lot of it is coach speak, but I think a lot of it is also giving respect that Mike Wright deserves because this guy, he, you know, if you look at him last season, yes, that was under coach Mason, but this guy can, he can run. And I think you will see potentially more packages for him this season. Now that may or may not be a good thing, but I, I, I just think when coach Lee says that, obviously we're not going to see Jeremy Musa, the third string, but I think when he says that, he's trying to give more respect to Mike Wright than a lot of people are giving him. Would, would you agree? Here is, is what's happening. It is Ken Seals job to lose after how he did last year, but you were a new coach coming into an, a team that just went 0-9 completely winless season previously with that same quarterback that is the presumed starter. So you can't come in and say, all right, first thing we're going to create a culture, but that Here's guy's guy. the starting quarterback and he's the leader. And I'm not saying that he's not legitimately looking at Mike Wright and Musa, because what I think he's really doing is saying, Ken Seals, it's his job to lose, but yeah. we need to figure out if Mike Wright can right now step into the role of a legitimate QB2, or if he's a guy that we use in packages and we just completely focus on that throughout the season. Mm -hmm. And I think he'll know a lot more in fall camp, and that's something I'm interested yeah. to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, when you look at Mike Wright, he's a guy that obviously you're not putting him in the game to, to throw the ball. I, I don't think at all. Um, but, you know, he could be a guy where Ken Seals runs a little bit, and now you have Wright in on a third and short, third four, something like that, to where, hey, if we get good enough blocking, we can get this first down. So 
I think that's what Coach Lee is is kind of pointing to. And and like you said, Will, Coach Speak is all you hear this time of year. You're not going to get an announcement, an official announcement until, I mean, a couple of days before ETSU. But we know who the guy is. Um, it's going to be Ken Seals. But, Will, another thing I'm looking at is a lot of these position battles that could go on. And we didn't touch on this with Coach Lee, obviously, because he's not going to reveal the position battles that are going on. But I think there's going to be a lot. And a receiver, I think, is, is pretty set. Running back, pretty set. Offense, I think, is pretty solidified, I would have to say. Maybe a couple O-line spots might be up in the air. But defensively, Will, I hate to say it, but it's kind of a mosh posh right now of, of guys that are young. There are, there are a few experienced guys. But I am very interested to see how the young guys on the D-line rotate in. Because you got guys like Marcus Bradley, a four-star, who is SEC size. Like, he, he, he's a guy that's – I think he's bigger than Davion Davis. And this guy has legit SEC D-line size. Davion also obviously going to be a starter. Where does Marcus Bradley fit in? Where does Tank Sujic fit in? I mean, that guy's – I don't think he's as big as Marcus Bradley. But they have some young kids right there, right in the middle of the, of the D-line. How much time are they going to get? So, for me, Will – there's going to be a lot of battles throughout the secondary, I think, as well, and maybe even at linebacker. But D-line is what I'm looking at to see, how. okay, how does this shape out and how do the young guys fit into that? Yeah, we'll do a more detailed position-by-position position, uh, preview later on once we, once oh, we yeah. hear a little bit of news from fall camp. But they, I'll, I'll go through a couple positions that are really interesting, to me at least. Um, Running back with Ramon Davis. That's a guy that I've had I've had my eye on since he uh, announced he was transferring from Temple. Had a really really good freshman freshman year. It didn't yeah. go so well. Sophomore, so you see that often. Um, right. That that happens with guys. You saw Keyshawn, with Keyshawn Ball. Ball in there at Illinois. Um, yeah. It's probably the best and most recent example. And I'm not saying this guy not is bad. going to be Keyshawn Vaughn, but he's a very talented guy. And with the trend with Marlo with Marlo transferring out. It's going to be pretty interesting to see who's the change of pace back and if Rocco Griffin can really step into that kind of yeah. really good RB2 change of pace third down back mm-hmm. role or if it's going to be the Ramon Davis show most of the time. I think I think the young kid, Patrick Smith, the freshman coming in, oh, yeah. they're, they're, yep. we've seen him in some of the pictures with the running back group uh, whenever they go out to dinner. I think, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of size, but, you know, when you look at him as opposed to Mitchell Pryor, you know, who are you going to throw in there? Fryer was forced to play last season. So I do think, Will, that's an interesting battle. But before we get to Coach Lee, the secondary. I mean, it, this this is going to be the most interesting, I think. Who who comes out of that group? Who are the four guys that Coach Lee ends up, um, you know, putting out on the field and saying, here's my guys? Obviously, you look in the back end. Brendan Harris is a guy that I look at and say, can't wait to see him play. But also you got Jalen Mahoney, who played a lot last season. Deshaun Jerkins, who also played a lot last season. So, yeah, for me, Will, honestly, the, the secondary is, is – I know I talked about the D-line being, being the most, the most uh, important position group I think should be filed out. But the secondary, I mean, who knows? Every, every position seemingly right now is a who's who and, and who we think is going to play. But, boy, it's going to be interesting to see who, who Coach Lee decides in the secondary, but also – at the D line. I know you like the O line though. And, and what, what might end up shaking out there? Yeah. I think this Vanderbilt team is a, I don't want to say high ceiling, but high ceiling relative to being zero and nine last year. And that <laughs> I think if everything breaks right with the 
talent they have, the experience that they kind of have returning at different spots that set out last year specifically on the offensive line that yes. already overperformed last year, even losing a couple couple guys to the transfer portal. Uh-huh. So I, I think you could see this team legitimately go 1-11, 2-10. And I don't wow. want to say that that's the most don't likely, but it's really going to come down to one position um, or two positions. You already touched on cornerbacks being pretty up in the air, but you yeah. do have a little bit of experience returning. But the other position is the offensive line, and it all comes down to them because that position is by far the biggest, the highest high and the lowest low. That line Uh could be really solid, one of the better offensive lines we've seen at Vanderbilt in a pretty Mm -hmm. long time. You have three guys that set out last year opting out, returning with Cole Clemens, Bryce Bailey, and Jonathan Stewart. So all all those guys coming in, fitting in correctly into their – in that offensive line that was already – Gained a lot of experience last year. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be looking forward to keep an eye on that during fall yeah, camp and, and see uh, what reports we get out of there. <laughs> yeah, just to see the what – A little uh, trench, trench battles. Yeah, a little trench work there from Coach Blazik. But, Will, he's a great coach. A.J. Blazik coming over from Wyoming. All, mm-hmm. I mean, everything I've seen, everything I've heard about him, he's going to change that group and, and he's going to make them um, a whole lot better than they were last year. And, yes, they have three new guys that – you know, played earlier with Coach Mason, but that that's what you expect. I mean, I expect a solid offensive line as good as they can be with that talent. Now, if they don't stay healthy, it could get a little dicey, but um, that, that's with every position group. But so, yeah, well, I think as a whole, you know, we're, we're interested at the D-line to see how those young guys rotate in there. In the secondary, how does that experience uh, shape up and, and, and how, how, how much – do they take that experience they've had and, and how much do they improve on it? And well, there's a lot of pressure on these position coaches. There really is. I mean, if you look at it, these position coaches are tasked with probably the hardest coaching job of their careers, a team that went 0 and 9 the previous season. And now you're forced to just change the whole culture and change probably a lot of what they were being taught. You know, I would, I would like to say, and I would hope to say, you know, cause I'm not I'm not ripping the, the assistant coaches under Mason, but, you know, it probably needs to be changed. You know, a lot of the teaching and a lot of the um, concepts and fundamentals and how they teach the fundamentals need to be changed. So, um, well, that that's that's all I had on it. I know we're going to go in a lot. We're going to go a lot deeper here pretty soon on on every position group. I know we we're about a month away from the season, but for me that D line, see how those, those young guys rotate in. It's all on defense for me, really. I mean, that, that's where it rely. Like how does, how does that defense shape up and who plays really? I mean, that's- yeah, I think, I think it's kind of weird because most of the time as fans of a team in football, you're watching the quarterback battle. Um, typically a lot of colleges do not have uh, pretty stable starters for very long mm-hmm. uh, running back battle because that's such a key position and then wide yeah. receivers. But for Vanderbilt, that's really the three positions with the Full least set. question marks in them and yeah. everything else and punter. Uh, it doesn't have question yes. marks around. And then the Harrison Alabama Smith. transfer um, taking over at kicker. So special teams where it's always a question mark for Vanderbilt, pretty solid uh quarterback running back receiver pretty pretty solid i'm not saying performance wise i'm just saying who what we think we can expect and then offensive line and pretty much the whole defense um is pretty much a big question mark that's going to be something to keep an eye on and we'll dig deeper into the roster what movement we've had um and specifically where there may be some weaknesses for the commodores in 2021 yeah and i think will an underrated storyline heading into fall camp we have a kicker 
Yes, they have a kicker. That's huge. And and his <laughs> name his name is Joseph Bullivis from Alabama. And that's I mean, Will, I know that's that's difficult for people to understand, but like us having a solidified kicker, it hasn't happened. I mean, that hasn't happened. It's, in the past. it's been since Kerry Spear. And then yeah. Openshaw had a run where he was good, and then he and then I don't know, really know what happened. And Tom then Tommy Openshank. Um, yeah, so, that, so it's really uh, been since Kerry Spear uh, and, and about one season, one and a half seasons for Tommy Openshaw <laughs> that we felt but, good when you watch your guys run out for a 35-yard field goal. Yeah, 35. Like, God forbid, God forbid we go out there and send him out there for a 35-yard field goal. But I think Bolivis, I mean, if you've been watching Alabama football the past few years, Bolivis has hit 45-yarders. I mean, this guy has a leg. So that's underrated. Like, I mean, you know, we can't just glance over that. Like, we have a, we have a solid kicker, um, you know, a guy from Alabama. So that's uh, – can't forget about that. It's going to be interesting to see maybe see him in some of the scrimmages. I know uh, they're going to have one open to the fans uh, very soon. I'm sure both of us will be there. So it's going to be interesting to see not only the position groups, but how big of a leg Bolivis has. We'll see, Will. But also coming up is Coach Lee. Clark Lee, the man himself, the man of the hour, is coming up on the podcast. And I honestly I couldn't believe we, uh, we, we booked this, but when we did, uh, I immediately texted you and said, uh, well, 315, we're doing it. And, and uh, this is what's going on. So this was just, I mean, it blew us away, blew us away to be able to talk to him. It was about 12 minutes long, but will, and this couldn't have gone any better. Everything was timed perfectly. And, and we got him. We got coach Lee. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> at some point I expected to possibly in the future, maybe before next season, have Clark Lee on. I certainly didn't expect it to happen uh, during the week the of day fall camp fall opening. Camp. Yeah, <laughs> the day before fall camp opening. So the timing um, couldn't be better. And Commodore Nation, I know you're gonna you're going to enjoy this interview and and hearing some words from Coach Lee right before uh, Team One takes the field for the first time in pads. Yeah, this will play. This uh, this will play. That'll play. <laughs> that'll play, and uh, hopefully you guys press play on this interview coming up. We got Coach Lee. A terrible joke. The... <laughs> hey, somebody's got to say it. We got an awful, awful Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt head football <laughs> coach Clark Lee coming up here on the Door Report, powered by Elaco Finewood Floors. Stay tuned. Before we get to the interview with Coach Lee, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor, Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on welcome back into the door report alongside will byram i'm billy derrick and we have a treat for you we are now honored to be joined by the vanderbilt head football coach clark lee he is a nashville native of course attended high school at montgomery bell academy he uh, went on to win a d2 baseball national championship at birmingham southern in 2001 then he transferred to belmont for a season and then finished his playing career as a fullback at Vandy under Bobby Johnson. And after previous stops as an assistant at UCLA, Bowling Green, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and Notre Dame, he was announced as Vanderbilt's 29th head football coach back in December. Without further ado, we are honored to welcome in 
Vanderbilt head football coach Clark Lee to the podcast. Coach, thank you so much for, for doing this. How you doing? I'm doing great. I, you know, I've wondered why I felt so old recently. And now after you've read all those stops off, I understand now <laughs> maybe it is because it I'm getting old, but no, I'm doing great. Great to be with you guys. Coach, thank you so much. This is an absolute honor. I, I want to start uh, with that title. When you hear that title, Vanderbilt head football coach, what, what is that? What does that mean to you? Um, well, I mean, look, this is a, a dream for me. And I think what, it, what I hear when I think about it is just responsibility. I'm responsible to be the steward of this program and to set it up for sustained success. And, you know, that's pretty much where I spend my days from wake up to the time I go to bed is focusing on how we best position this program um, to, you know, maximize our recruiting footprint, to build the most competitive team in the building, to maintain a staff that develops our players um, in these hallways and, and puts a product on the field that the Commodore Nation can get behind. So um, it's a sense of responsibility, but yeah, I certainly like, I like to, you know, uh, I take time to celebrate too. I love it. Love it. Well, coach, you retained Javon Hay. Uh, you brought back former Commodores, Norval McKenzie and Earl Bennett. And to many fans, you have seemingly brought back memories of, of the successes during the, uh, the Bobby Johnson era. How important was it to you to bring in uh, people like that, coaches like that, who understand what it takes to win at Vanderbilt and, and everything they went through, you know, the highs and lows? Uh, how important was that to you to bring back guys like that? The, the starting point for something special is to like, you know, again, build, build a, a group of people or assemble a group of people that care deeply about the place where you are. And, and so I didn't want to, this wasn't like a, a call to everyone who ever played here to say, you know, like, how do we, how do we just fill these positions with Vanderbilt people, but like to have guys here that fought for this program that care about the program. Um, I think that's a great starting point to build a team that's going to fight for this program and care about this program. And that, that really was the focus to me. I mean, Javon was a captain here when I played Norval was a teammate in the running back room. Uh, Earl, you know, I didn't know, but I got to know through the process of our conversations leading up to, to the job offer. Um, and, and, and so again, just at the baseline, you, you, you fill the hallways with, with guys that believe in this program, believe in what's possible here and are going to fight for it every day. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, you have guys that have navigated this campus successfully as a part of this program, which leads to just mentorship opportunities for our players and and that was um that was another part of the formula yeah you touched on right there the bringing in staff members and people that care about Vanderbilt have been there and truly care about the success of the athletics programs overall and another one that has navigated that campus like you said is AD Candace Story Lee um, and then on the other side, you have someone that seems in that chancellor role to truly care about Vanderbilt and the success of the, the athletic programs within Vanderbilt and Chancellor Daniel Deermeyer. How has your relationship been with them through the last whirlwind of the last few months since you were brought on in December? Um, and have there been any unforeseen challenges throughout the whole process of building an entire staff um, and kind of revamping Vanderbilt athletics with Vandy United? Well, I, one of the one of the reasons I'm so excited about this job is is because I feel grateful to be here at a moment where um, you know leadership aligns with resources and then aligns with this energy within this building that 
is going to be able to to change this program to change the path or the trajectory and, and to redirect us towards our potential i mean um great working relationship with chance Deermeyer, obviously um great relationship with with candace lee um you know she and i speak very often and she's been so supportive she's such a good teammate and uh leader for us and so um with van united with the chancellor's interest in athletics and understanding that you know or his demand that this program reflect the excellence of the university um you know i feel really good about the, the level of support that we get here as far as unforeseen challenges um you know <laughs> i mean it's it's pretty much daily that i there's a there's a new challenge or a new task requiring my attention but I, that's a beautiful part of this job um it's the part that i'm kind of growing through the most. Um, I, I still think for us, it's just, it's just, it's still insulating this program from everyone who wants to tell us what we can't get done. That, that, that's, that was my first step here in kind of like cleaning the building out a little bit on our side to say, you know what, there, there were a lot of talented people here before that are even going on and doing great things beyond Vanderbilt. But I, I just did not want anyone that was going to point out the cracks in the cup. I need, I need people that are going to see the possibility, the potential here. Um, it was really important to surround our team with those, those people. Uh, and, and so as we sit here now, eight months or so in, you know, um, you start to realize, particularly as we get close to the season, you know, we're going to be more and more exposed to the, the negative, um, um, you know, the negative thoughts of people outside this program. And um, we have to be really disciplined in the way we um, kind of steel ourselves against that negativity and, and really just, again, focus on what we're creating here together because it's, it's investment in this program that makes it valuable. It's our investment in this program. It's the people that wear the Star V that show care and concern about what we're doing here. It's our fans that show up on Saturdays um, those are the people that we're, we're working for the, the other opinions just, you know, they just drain our energy and, and we all pull from one energy system. So, you know, like, <laughs> let's be really, let's be really tethered to this idea that what we give our attention to will either fuel us or feed us, or it'll inhibit us from, from reaching our potential each day. Yeah. We've talked a lot about coming on and building the program and, and kind of your vision, but we do have football coming up. We do have fall camp kicking off Friday. And I'm sure you're excited about that to be out of the, and I hate to keep using the phrase, but whirlwind of the last eight months and actually focus uh, specifically on the field and on the field performance. So what are you looking at going into team one's first, uh, first days of fall camp here? I'm well, I'm just so excited. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of growth and development through the summer. We've also faced adversity together through the summer, and that was designed into the into the experience. You know, I think you don't know what you have as a team until you've gone through something that challenges you and and you you find how how you kind of grow into those spaces and face down the, the adversity together. But um, I'm excited. We need this. We need to get back to practice. I think um, you know, for me personally, I, I'm going to, my day is going to become just scheduled from, you know, six in the morning till 10 at night, but in some ways it simplifies for me. Um, there's less time to ruminate on, on what's going on in the world and more time just to focus on, you know, like, uh, you know, what, what, what the next meeting is, what the next scheduled walkthrough is, 
and how do we best position this team to be successful this fall? And like, to me, there's such a piece in that. I, I just, uh, it's something that I embrace and I enjoy. And so I'm excited. The team's excited. They're trained. I mean, they, they've prepared themselves. So we've kind of got the ax formed and now we have to sharpen the ax through the next um, month so that we can squeak in, you know, come September. Yep, you're exactly a month away from East Tennessee coming over to West End to face off with your Commodores. And, and Coach, obviously the fans are, are getting excited. There, there's a lot of, um, like you said, the outside perception that, that's going on. Um, but like you said, you're, you and your team is, is looking forward for that game. Uh, what is your message to, to Commodore fans, Commodore Nation out there, um, who are just, just as excited as you are to, to, to get to play ETSU uh, on the 4th? Well, I just can't wait to see the fans out. We'll have a, a fan event um, around the middle of camp too. I mean, I just, you know, the opportunities we have to be around each other, to be around this team, like, I, you know, just come out and meet our team and get around these guys. It's an impressive group of people. They're learning and growing every day. They're, they're um, you know, they're reaching for their own personal potential. But to me, I just, I, I, I get excited thinking about seeing the fans in the stadium, sharing the experience with them and, 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 you know, my, my aim over the next month is to put a team on that field that they connect with at a competitive level. Um, and I, we, we consume sports too. And it's fun to get behind someone that's fighting for the same thing you're fighting for. And so um, my message to, to the, the Vanderbilt football fans and Vanderbilt fans everywhere is just, let's get excited. Let's not put a governor on what's possible. Let's get excited. Let's get together. Let's have a lot of fun cheering this team on and, and, um, and again, growing this program into what we all know it can be. Coach, well, uh, real quick here, before I let you go, uh, this is the first time we've done this, but uh, would you be so kind as to give us a, this is Coach Lee and you're listening to the door report. <laughs> Absolutely. You ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. This is Coach Lee and you're listening to the door report. Awesome, Coach. That's Beautiful. that's just music <laughs> to our ears, and we have been honored. <laughs> we have been honored to have you on. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get you on, uh, of course, maybe after the season for a little bit more extended time. But uh, thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we are looking forward to September fourth. Hey, thank you guys for all that you do, and let's not wait that long to to get back together. I enjoy being with you, and I'm here uh, anytime that uh, you need me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, that does it for episode 97 of The Door Report. And yes, I know Coach Lee was absolutely electric. We were honored to have him on the podcast heading into fall camp. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and our special guest, Coach Lee, you've been listening to episode 97 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.